How can we, as creative educators and entrepreneurs, find our authentic voice, get real in a world where real is hard to come by, and share our vision, all while making some serious money and keeping it all balanced? Hey, it's Alyssa with the Teacher Hustle Podcast. I'm a teacher, a toddler mom, and a serial entrepreneur. I'm answering all your burning questions and giving you simple business tips, mindset shifts, and inspiration to help you turn your passion into an income that makes an impact without being overly complicated. You know that one thing you can't stop talking about? We're going to share it with the world. So grab a cup of coffee and let's bring your wildest ideas to life. I know that back to school this time in 2020 is one of the craziest, probably the craziest back to school season we've ever seen. And we as teachers know that one way we can gain control when it feels like everything else is out of control is to get organized, to organize our systems, our desks, our virtual classrooms, to just make sure we have everything running smoothly ahead of the school year or at least in the first month so that things can go as smooth as possible and that we can also set boundaries around the time that we are working in our classrooms when we know all of us are putting in extra time to make sure that we are meeting the needs of our learners wherever they are by computer or hybrid and keeping everyone safe. We've got a lot on our plates right now. So I wanted to bring you three organizational experts in today's podcast episode. This is like a super round table episode. I am talking to three wonderful teachers who are experts at organizing both in the classroom and virtual classrooms. And I'm asking them all the questions about how we should get started with organizing and setting up great systems in our classrooms this school year so that we have more time to check out, to turn off the planning and to come home at night and work on our businesses maybe or just spend time with our families and relax because you deserve it. So let's make sure that everything is organized and ready to go in this crazy, crazy time. Here we go. Okay, I have Erin here first. Erin is coming to us. She has been on the podcast before, one of my favorite episodes. I can't remember the number off the top of my head, but she came on to talk to us about how she switched her name because she wanted to be more niche to talk about organization in the classroom. So Erin is now organized in elementary. That's her new name. And Erin In case people did not catch the last episode, can you reintroduce us to you and to your business and tell us a little bit about yourself? Hey, everyone. Alyssa, first, let me say thank you so much for having me on again. You know that I absolutely enjoy this podcast, and I am so excited to be here. My name is Erin, and I am the founder of Organized and Elementary, and I absolutely love what I do because... I specialize in helping educators create intentional spaces that encourage student access and independence, and we also work closely on creating working management systems in their classrooms. So classroom management and creating thriving environments are my jam, and I love that I get to share my passion with educators around the globe. It is such a joy. But outside of my business, I am a mom of three and a third grade teacher. So yes, life around here is busy, but so fulfilling. And as you probably guessed, there is never a dull moment. 
I can totally relate to never having a dull moment. It's a, it's just like that in my house too. There's always something going on. So thank you for your honesty with that. Can you tell us now, as we're preparing for the school year, let's talk specifically to teachers who are going to be setting up a virtual classroom, because I know a good deal of listeners are in some way going to be virtual. How can we make sure that our systems are organized and that our students are best equipped to understand what we've got going on in our virtual classrooms this year? What advice do you have for us? When it comes to organization, the concept that I would say is most important this year is to simplify and to streamline. So everyone is navigating such uncharted territory, and in turn, everyone's learning a lot of new things together. And by everyone, I mean, you know, teachers, students, administrators, the list goes on. Literally, everyone is learning new things all at once. So it's really easy especially when you're young, to experience feelings of overwhelm or frustration when things are new. So in my opinion, instead of teachers putting focus on creating the cutest or the fanciest digital platform, it's really important to focus first on organizing the interface that your students will interact with with simplicity in mind. So put yourself in your student's shoes for a moment And think about the way that as a child, you would best understand your interface, whether that be Canvas, Seesaw, Bitmoji Classroom, Google Classroom, whichever platform your teacher's using, how would you best understand it? This means that it's the educator's job to add central locations with really clear descriptions to your website and creating routines that stay consistent during the week while streamlining the way that students access your course content. Nothing would be harder right now for a student who's already trying to navigate a brand new learning situation than having to learn how to interact with multiple applications all at one time. And this isn't to say that that wouldn't be beneficial to add these other platforms in at some point during the year, but from the very beginning, I suggest that you try to ensure that the material that you are presenting is intentional, it's well thought out, it's clear, and it's accessible. So to do this, I would say that you should create a schedule with hyperlinks that stays pretty uniform throughout the week and organize the schedule in a way that it's so clear that it would be almost impossible to experience user error. So in turn, this should also cut down on your workload as the teacher because it serves as a framework for you to follow daily that's easy to edit and add onto as your lessons progress. That is such a good point. I know all of us were overwhelmed when we were thrown into remote learning back in March, and now we have the chance to do it over in a way that is more clear for our students and just more clear for us as well, more streamlined and more organized. Let's talk about the physical space because there are still a lot of us that are going to be in school or even at home. How can we organize our spaces to be set up for success? You know that you just asked my favorite question. Um, So as a minimalist, I love talking about this topic with teachers. Um, Tip one, and perhaps the most important, is to declutter your space. Be really intentional about the items that you have in there. Are they broken? Are they out of date? Do you have something better that's replaced it? Think through every single item in your classroom and its purpose and decide whether it needs to stay or whether it needs to go. And if you're teaching from home or in person, you should start the year off with a clean slate, no matter where you are. So file all that paperwork that's been sitting around, create your organization systems, add all of your pretty labels and get rid of the rest. 
This doesn't mean that you need to throw everything away because as teachers, the things in our classroom are typically really sentimental and the sentimental emotional connection can at times get in the way of us understanding what the real purpose of the item is. So if you are feeling a sentimental attachment to an item, you can sell it or you can donate it to another teacher. But if you're not using it, do yourself a favor and lighten up your space before the year begins. And I would say that tips two and three sort of blend together, but you need to create routines for yourself and for your students. And a lot of times we focus on the creating routines for our students and not so much ourselves. So once you've created routines for yourself and for your students, you need to practice them daily. Stick with them well past all of that fun energy and excitement that comes with the beginning of the school year. And show your students some concrete examples of way that, ways that they can stay organized at home if you're teaching digitally or in the classroom. The point that should cause you to take the greatest sigh of relief here is that the care of your space is not solely your responsibility, no matter what grade, no matter what grade you teach. If you're teaching kindergartners, if you're teaching third graders, fifth graders, whichever grade you're teaching... It's not your sole responsibility to take care of your space. And if you put that energy and that effort into teaching your students how to care for their environment and how to get really excited about it, then your load is lighter. That's so true. It's kind of like front loading. We're front loading teaching kids the responsibility for taking care of a space that we've put time into. And I like the way you said, lighten your load to start off the school year. I always feel so good when I clean out a closet at home or a junk drawer. And it's just like that in our classroom spaces. We might as well take and make something a little lighter in our classrooms this year. And maybe that's our stuff. Maybe we just need to rethink uh, the sentimental. I know I hold on to things students made me like crazy. I just can't help it. All right, tell us how we can avoid burnout this year. Do you have any tips for avoiding burnout? It's going to be a crazy year. Absolutely, yes. Um, I think this year, more than ever, it's important to focus on avoiding burnout. During a typical school year, teachers have the opportunity to enter the building and to exit the building. And for the most part, that signifies in our brains the start and the end of the day. This year, with the majority of the beginning of school being virtual for a lot of states and many teachers working from home, this boundary that our brains are aware of is basically void. And with the freedom that comes from working from home, the opportunity also arises to open your laptop and to do work at any hour of the day or night. So if teachers aren't careful with setting clear boundaries, they will burn out and they will burn out fast. Oftentimes when boundaries are mentioned, people think that it pertains directly to when you aren't going to allow yourself to work, but it's also important to set strong boundaries when you are working. So when you're engaged in your work, be fully engaged. Turn off your notifications, crank out your top quality work during the hours when your brain is the most efficient. And in order to avoid burnout, you need to listen to your body. 
Start paying attention to the hour that you begin to feel like you have little left to give. And in those times, allow yourself to rest. Whatever rest may look like for you. If it means meditating, if it means going for a walk, if it means cooking, do something that allows you to rest and allows you to turn your brain off from all of the tasks and to-dos and really pay attention. For some of you, that might mean resting for a little bit and then being able to jump back into work. But I know for me personally, my burnout hour, as I like to call it, is 2 p.m. So I'm really, really great in the morning. And I try to do the hardest tasks then. And then around like 2 o'clock when I get hungry or something like that, I know that if I continue to do work, it cannot be my hardest, most complicated tasks because I'm tired and I need to rest. So a lot of times at that time, I just put my laptop away. But if I cannot do that, I just make sure that the tasks I'm focusing on at that time are the easier tasks and that I've really cranked out all of the hard things in the beginning of my day. I love that advice. I think my burnout hour is two o'clock too. And anytime I'm hungry, I can't get anything done. I love the advice to pay attention to that. I'm going to try paying attention to that and see how it affects my productivity rate and my burnout rate. I've got to just really listen in to my own energy levels. What about sub planning? We know we are going to inevitably have a sub this year, maybe more often than usual because we've got to just be really safe around sickness. Um, So what are some of your best tips for planning for a sub? I mean, when it comes to having a substitute, the greatest tip for having a productive day with a substitute is to make sure that your students are very, very clear on your expectations and that you can allow the opportunities for the substitute during the day to mirror what's going in your classroom on a normal day. So when you have practiced your rhythms and your students are really clear about your expectations, you can invite your substitutes to stick to the same rhythms and the same systems that you use and try to keep the day as close to normal as possible because children thrive with routine. Use your daily schedules that you've created. Have a folder on your computer ready to go with a lot of independent activities and just send it to the substitute. It really comes down to you simplifying again, like that is my word for the year, simplify and streamline. Do it for your subs. Do it for yourself and and try not to stress. Seems like whether we're talking about teaching or we're talking about our business, it always comes down to systems. Systems seem to be the most important part. And part of having a system in place is having a solid routine. What are your best tips for managing your workload to be able to actually leave at the end of the school day? Since we're teachers and business owners, we need to make sure we are leaving school at school. You absolutely can save time by staying organized in your business. And Honestly, I think one of the most effective ways to stay organized while saving time happens when it comes to the way that we plan our days. It is important for us to stay productive, not necessarily busy. And this does tie in some with the setting boundaries idea that I shared earlier, but I think it's important enough to elaborate on. So in our business, the thing that drives us the most is to meet our goals. We know that in order to meet our goals, we need to take well thought out steps and to get things done. And when you plan your day, you should look at the goals that you have set for yourself and organize your day accordingly. I like to set monthly and weekly goals, and then 
as the week progresses, I make my daily to-do list that align with the achievement of those goals, but be sure to put the goals that will take the most energy. I know I said this earlier, but at the beginning of the week, because having come out of a two-day break, this is when you are mentally and physically at your greatest capacity and you have the greatest capacity to do your best work. When you think about your daily tasks, I want you to really be realistic with your expectations because Honestly, there's nothing that will slow you down more than to try to accomplish too much in too short of a time frame and then kind of feel like you failed and you have to roll some tasks over to the next day. And then your to-do list just seems like this piled clump of things that you meant to do but you didn't do. So what I'm trying to say is try to plan your day later on in the day so that number one, you can see how much you've accomplished that day. And number two, you're going to be more realistic with what you can actually get done because you're not going to be planning at the beginning of the day when you have all that like fully charged mental endurance. You've just rested a long period and typically the beginning of the day, that's when we have the most energy. So practically, one of my favorite programs for keeping track of my to-do list is Asana. It's a free website, A-S-A-N-A. And I really like using Asana because you can share your tasks with team members if you have them and you can check them off when you complete them. And for me, I really like to have that little box that I can check when I have successfully accomplished one of my goals. I know there are a lot of planning tools online, but I also use Asana. I love the way you can check things off. I love sharing the space on Asana with my VA, Nicole. She checks things off, and then I also know that they are done on her end. We started combining Asana with Airtable. Airtable is where we keep our step-by-step process for different things like blog posts and podcast episodes where we need to keep a bunch of information in one place. But for those daily check-off to-do lists, we still use Asana. So the combination of the two is working really, really well for us. But I will say that getting those systems down just frees up so much more time for you to spend in your business or in your classroom or on the things that really matter and not lots of time on tasks. Thank you, Erin, again, for all of your organizational advice and expertise. You always have the best ideas and suggestions Can you tell the listeners where they can connect with you after this episode if they want to hear more? Thank you so much again for having me on. It's always such a treat to be able to share with other educators. One of my favorite parts is connecting with actual people and hearing feedback um, about the ways that they're using my ideas and um, any other tips that they might like me to share. So if you're interested in connecting with me, you can find me on Instagram at Organized in Elementary, or you can visit my blog. It's www.organizedinelementary.com. And honestly, I just really enjoy um, talking to you. So feel free to reach out at any time. Thanks, Erin. All right, our second guest coming on to talk to you about organization is Kelly Jackson from the Simply Organized Teacher. She is going to answer the same questions Erin answered, and this time we're going to get a little bit of a different perspective. I think you'll find it interesting to hear the different tips that both of our experts today um, are sharing with us, and then I have one more for you after Kelly. So I am loving this style of podcast. You'll have to let me know after the episode how you liked it. Now let's dive into the interview with Kelly. Today we have a special treat. We have Kelly from the Simply Organized Teacher here to talk to us 
all about routines and procedures around keeping our classrooms organized so that we can leave our classrooms at the end of the day and get home to work on our businesses and spend time with our family and all of that. But she's going to help us keep organized as we're doing all of this. So thank you, Kelly, for being here. Can you tell us a little bit about you and your business journey, how you got here to start us off? Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here with you. I am Kelly Jackson, and I'm a former teacher. I taught second and third grade for six years uh, before I started running my online business, uh, the Simply Organized Teacher, full-time. Now I help teachers get their classrooms organized and help them manage their classrooms a little bit more efficiently so that teachers can stop spending so much time at school and more time doing the things they love, whether that's being with family or having a side hustle business or um, volunteering or whatever it is. I just want to teach teachers how organization can help them free up a lot of their time that they're spending in the classroom. Yeah. And I love the idea that organizing our classrooms helps us get out of our classrooms at the end of the school day. Like we actually, the more organized we are at school, the more time we have for running our business. So when we can kind of get things down to a science inside our rooms, we're better off. But I'll just jump right into the hard stuff. We know that normally it's a great thing to be able to get everything done in the school day we need to get done so that we can get home and spend time with our families and then hopefully work on our businesses. But this year is particularly crazy. So with all of the craziness going on, how do we maintain those organizational systems or prepare at all? I know it's really out of our control and hard to hard to say how we can control it, but how do we get some control over our organization so that you know those of us who have worked hard on our systems are not back to square one where we're working until late at night because things are crazy? Right. So the biggest thing that I tell teachers Um, And I would tell teachers who are also running side businesses is that it comes down to two things. It comes down to having a plan an actual, like a very detailed written out plan, and then having lots of routines and structures in place, both um, in your classroom at school, and then also for your personal life, for your side business, whatever. But taking time in the summer, or even if school has already started by the time people are listening to this, um, still taking the time to actually write down plans for things about their classroom, like whether it's classroom management or how they're going to store different things in their classroom. Um, But really taking the time to write everything down in detail, it takes away that like stress. I think a lot of disorganization and overwhelm in the classroom comes from trying to figure out how to do something in the moment versus taking the time to plan it ahead of time. You've already got everything written out. So you at least have a place to start. Even if it doesn't work, you've got a place to start and a place to come back to. Same thing with routines, Um, having routines for both at home, like when you're, you know, wake up in the morning and you, whenever you get to school in the morning, like what are the three or four things you need to do every single morning once you get to school uh, to set yourself up for a successful day? And it might seem silly, but even taking time to write down those routines too, I think is so important so that you're not having to figure things out as you are working through it. So when things are out of control, we have to take charge of the things we can control, which are our routines and our plans. And I love the way that you said, start out with your plan and then come back to your plan. So 
you know, even if we veer off the plan, which we know is going to happen inevitably, we have something to come back to, to just kind of check back in. And so being planned is key. Exactly. Yes. So as far as setting up systems, and you talked a little bit about routines, how can we set up some systems at school uh, that will help us kind of stay organized and stay systematized in our school day? I I joke about this because I say it's like my number one rule and it's what when my husband and I were dating and then obviously when we got married and moved in together, um, my biggest rule is that everything has to have a home. And that's often what I see when I go into teachers' classrooms um, is that things don't have homes. So they just end up hanging out on a U table or on a teacher desk or on a, a cabinet somewhere or a shelf or whatever. And when things don't have homes, then you don't have a place to put something. And so then you are in this like endless cycle of trying to find where something goes or trying to find where you put, put something. So that's like what I talked about just a minute ago, coming up with a plan, even inside my course, I teach about um, actually sitting down and like drawing out your classroom and writing what, like what homes are going, what are the homes going to be in your classroom? You know, this cabinet is going to store these types of things. Uh, because when you have a home, then you know exactly where it goes. You know exactly where to look for something whenever you need to find it or get it out or whatever. Um, and then, of course, routines, writing them down, like I said. Um, even routines for your kids, too, I think is really important because we forget that our kids are also a part of the classroom. Hopefully this well, I don't know, maybe hopefully this year, maybe not hopefully this year. But um even your kids, if they are in the classroom with you this year, can be a part of that process of helping um, to keep your classroom organized. And then the other little thing I like to teach is, this isn't my idea, I've you know, heard it tons of times before, but the one minute or one minute or less rule. Basically, if you have something and you're like, oh, I could put this away and it'll take me 10 or 15 seconds, put it away immediately instead of just letting it pile up till the end of the day, because that's when you come in after car duty and things feel stressful because you walk into a classroom with just junk everywhere. Right. The more organized we are in our setup, the more organized our whole day feels. I used to, I, I probably like dating myself here, but when I was in uh, probably college, I used to listen to, she was called fly lady and she had like, I, she had a website and she was really for older ladies. I was old before I even knew it. And <laughs> Anyway, Fly Lady always said to clear your hot spots. So like anywhere where your stuff tends to collect, your desk or a junk drawer or something, she always said to clear those spots before you left. So we could probably do the same thing in our classroom and just clear our spots to make ourselves feel more organized. That's one thing that was like part of my, like when I'm talking about routines, one of my, at the end of the day, like shutting down my classroom routines was I always cleared off my table. Uh, my U table, because that's like where, you know, I think a lot of teachers keep a lot of their stuff throughout the day. And then I cleared off my teacher desk and pushed in my chair so that when I walked in the next morning, I walked into a peaceful, clutter-free classroom. Yeah, that makes a big difference. And I was going to say, what if we are home? Then how do we stay organized if we are teaching virtually and we've got like our little desk in the corner and our kids are running around and they're not helping with organization, but they're making it worse, our own children. What do we do then? Yeah, I think it comes back to the same thing as far as 
planning, even like when I talk about planning your classroom, your physical classroom, you can also be planning your virtual classroom and what, um, what things are like, what routines are you going to put in place so that you're not spending a ton of time, um, working on school stuff outside of the school hours, where are going to, where your home's going to be for the different materials that you do have. I guess when you're online teaching, you probably don't have as many physical things that you're using. Um, but still having a say like a space for that in your little corner or in your office or whatever it is that you're using. And I also think taking time to organize your online classroom. I think that was a big like um, moment for a lot of teachers when everything had to flip to digital back in what was it March or April. Mm-hmm. Um, and the computer can sometimes be like it, you can just put things there. You don't necessarily see it on a day-to-day basis like you do in your classroom. So it's easy for things to get really cluttered there and um, taking time to get your computer, your files, your drives, all that stuff organized so that you can find things immediately um, is going to help you with your online teaching organization. And I put together a, when all this happened, I put together a, um, I can send you the link afterwards, an online, it's just a free little course I put together about how to organize your classroom for online teaching. Um, Because I, I saw that so many teachers were struggling with like, where do I even begin to online, you know, with online teaching. And for me, I'm like, well, organization is always, is always the key for me. So I put that together to help teachers out. So organization is the root of everything, even your digital classroom, which was, I think in March, it was causing confusion, not only for us as teachers, but also for the poor parents that were trying to help their kids navigate. So can you just walk us through uh, what's kind of, give us kind of the rundown. What should we be doing inside of our virtual classrooms to keep them organized? Again, give everything home. So if you teach um, maybe two or three different classes, like an English class, a math class, and a social studies class or whatever, a folder for each of those classes. And within those folders, more folders for the different units that you teach or the different topics you teach, however you want to organize it. Um, Having a document, kind of like a catch-all document for your expectations for the school year this year, your uh, contact information, like all the stuff that parents, if you're doing online teaching, um, that parents or students are going to need to have, I would create a form or a document where they can go and find all that information so they aren't hopefully having to email at all hours of the day and night. Um, But again, just systemizing things down into... uh, you know, we talk about in business, like niching down your business, right? And I say the same thing for organization and for homes, niche down your homes as detailed as you can get them so that you can, all, like, you always know exactly where to find something. Yeah. So get everything as specific as you can. And so it, whenever we're setting up systems, whether they're physical in the physical space at our desk or it's online in a virtual classroom you're saying no matter where you are the foundational principles are everything has a spot and mm-hmm. and niche it down so that it's in its place with with the things it belongs with anything else we have to remember in general when we're creating these systems no i think it, it basically comes down to homes and putting things away immediately i was going to share an example of like with the cabinets. Um, 
if you have more than one or two cabinets in your classroom, then giving them. So for example, when I think about uh, my classroom that I had, I had two really large, like floor, um, not floor length. What are they called? Like the really tall cabinets, you know what I'm talking about, right? Floor length too. (laughs) Okay. So then I guess that's what it's called. Um, (laughs) But one of them was solely for like kid stuff. So even though the kids weren't necessarily getting in the cabinet, it was like all this stuff that they would use at some point. So that was like my theme for the cabinet. But then I even took it a little bit further and themed the shelves. So like this theme was all of my math resources or math games or whatever I had. This was all my science stuff. This was all my indoor recess games or whatever. So even like, that's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about like niching down, um, as detailed as you can, because then like, it was great when I had a cooperating or not a cooperating teacher, a, um, student teacher in my classroom on the days that I would be out, she was able to find things exactly where they were. Not because she saw me ever get them out before or knew where they were, but just, she knew my system and like, okay, if all this is here, then I know I can find it inside this cabinet. Wow, you're really good at getting specific. I definitely don't get as specific. I I I consider myself somewhat organized, but I try, but I don't get that specific. So I guess I need to take the niche down advice when it comes to systems in my classroom as well. But I also, you mentioned um, email, that the more you set up your organizational systems back to the virtual classroom, the more you set up your systems there, the less emails you'll get. Really quickly, any tips for keeping our email organized? Because that's another spot that I really (laughs) tend to neglect. Yes, um, I get this question a lot. And there's a hole inside the, um, I think I it's called the uh, Organized Working From Home Teachers Edition. Sorry, I have like so many different things that I've created (laughs) that I can't keep all the names straight. But um, it's called the Working From Home Teachers Edition mini course. And that's the course I was talking about where I teach how to like get your online classroom organized. And I have a whole lesson in there on email because I get this so often. But um, the two things I would say is first, get in the habit of checking your email um, like first thing in the morning and just automatically like taking care of each email as it comes in. So if it is some kind of junk mail from some kind of subscription or something, delete it or unsubscribe from it right away. If it is an email that is uh, maybe from your campus administration saying like, hey, we're having this meeting on Wednesday afternoon, make sure to be there. Write that down in your planner at that time and then get rid of that email. Um, Instead of keeping your email inbox so full with all the emails that you're getting, take care of the email as soon as you can and then either delete it or move it into um, a folder, you know, whatever folder organization system you want to have in your email. And then that way, the only things that are sitting in your inbox are emails that you aren't able, you know, maybe you get a parent email, you don't have time to address it before the kids get in in the morning. Um, but you it's there for you to take care of later in the afternoon. So I would say um, checking your email right away and getting rid of, you know, deleting emails as necessary or putting them in a different home. And then secondly, same thing, like I talked about with organizing your drives or your computer is creating folders and niching down your folders within your email inbox. So you can put things uh, exactly where they go. So for me, like I don't typically have more than 10 or so emails in my inbox. It actually stresses me out to have even 10 emails in my inbox, but that's because I, as soon as I see what the email is about. If it's not something I need to handle right then, I move it into 
um, a folder that I can come back to later when I have more time to sit down and go through all the emails in that folder. Does that make sense? Yes, totally. And it, I feel like it goes back to the fly lady idea again. I don't even know if she still exists, but shout out to fly lady. Cause it's clearing the hotspot again. You're clearing your email hotspot. I do try to do that before I leave for the school day so that I'm not thinking about email. And again, so that when I walk in in the morning, I've got a fresh start, even though I probably have 25 more emails by the time I look at it in the morning, uh, but I have somewhat of a fresh start. But when it comes to my business email, I did want to shout out uh, my virtual assistant is my best friend, Nicole, and she took over my email inbox for me it was one of the major tasks she first took over. And it's been such a relief. She does exactly what you say. She clears emails and she never has more than like a couple in there. And she usually she'll forward me anything that I really need to deal with. And then she'll kind of put things in folders and she's got a whole system behind how she kind of goes back through those folders and responds to them. Cause what happens with me, I stick it in the folder and I forget that I even had it. So I can't put things in folders because I, I don't even know where they went and I forget, but she's got it so that she then goes back through her folders in a certain order to make sure that she's cleared those out too, that she's not just like stuffing them all in the folder, if that makes sense. And I thought that was really smart that she's got a system behind going through the folders too, because otherwise things get forgotten or neglected. Yeah. And that's part of those routines that you have. If, if you're going to do that, then you have to have some kind of system or routine to make sure that you yeah go back and check those emails. Yes. So, um, as we're talking about all this digital stuff, one of the other things I really wanted to be sure to ask you, and you know, this is a business, a teacher business owner podcast, and we're talking about school, but the reason we're talking about school is because it helps to support us in our business. If we can, if for those of us who are working, teaching full-time and we have businesses, it clears our schedule a little bit more so that we're not working so late, so that we're not taking out our school bag at night. But I know one of the things that can take up a ton of time in the classroom and can lead you to have to stay really late nights is if you're planning for a sub the next day. Or, as we know is probably going to happen a lot this year, we are going to have to unexpectedly be out or have to pivot really quickly. Um, but how can we plan for a sub, especially now since this is so important, how can we be planned ahead so it doesn't become a big problem? Yeah, I think that's super critical. And what I would recommend is to create a template for your sub plans. Um, for me, this was nothing fancy. I mean, it was literally just a Google Doc with my schedule written out and like bare minimum um, expectations of like what was going on during that time. So that way, when I did have to be out unexpectedly, I could just go in and fill in um, like the logistics of like what actually need, like what lessons needed to be done or what worksheets or whatever. But having that template, um, I mean, sub plans would take me maybe 10 or 15 minutes tops to like get them created, print them out, get the materials together because I had that template and I just went back to it. The other thing I would recommend is if you are in a classroom where you do stations, I would highly recommend implementing stations as like almost day one in your classroom. Um, not necessarily like full on kids are doing stations, you're meeting with small group. I don't mean that at all, but I mean, practicing stations and teaching kids expectations for stations because stations are the perfect thing to leave for a substitute teacher because the kids know how it works. They know where everything goes. Um, it's easy for the sub to 
they're not necessarily having to do any teaching or anything. They're just monitoring and can be there to support kids as needed. So take time at the beginning of the year to really get your kids to where you can trust them with stations um, on their own and then utilize that as much as you can. When I was in the classroom, I taught, I was in a dual language model. So I only taught math and language arts um, like to two classes. So I had math twice and language arts twice. And that made sub plans really easy for me because I had math stations. We didn't do them all the time, but it w- we did them enough so that whenever I was out, that could be the plans for the day. And then our daily five or literacy stations were um, easy to do for the language arts block of the time. So I think stations are a great way to take some of that pressure of what do I have to figure out for my substitute to do with these kids while I'm gone. Yeah, the more you front load, again, those routines and procedures, the easier everything becomes going home at the end of the day, planning for a sub and, you know, just feeling like you can stay on your plan a little bit more. So I like your advice of for all of these systems, take the time during the summer to get them, you know, as ironed out as you can so that this chaotic school year just feels a little less chaotic than usual. As we kind of... uh wrap up here, I did want to make sure to ask about getting organized in your business, because I think setting up systems in your business is kind of the same as setting up systems in your classroom. Again, it allows us to get our work done faster, easier, and and doesn't lead us to feel like we've got these never-ending to-do lists. It keeps us focused. So what are your suggestions for getting systems set up inside of our business? That's a hard one for me because I feel like I am constantly changing my systems because like, that's the hard thing. I think that a lot of us as online business owners deal with is like, there's so much education out there that you're constantly like hearing new things, right? Like try this, try that. And, um, so I think for me, what I've tried to do is give myself structure within my days. So like, um, theming my days, which I'm sure you talk about and teach about, but like batch working, right. Mm-hmm. Um, and prioritizing, okay, on Mondays, I'm going to focus on this on Tuesdays. I'm going to focus on this. Um, so that is like my big overarching, like kind of plan for the week. And then again, I have routines for, um, starting my day and ending my day, just like I did at school. I have the same thing in my business. Um, except now they're in an Asana checklist thing, you know, and I just run through it and it's helpful for me to have both of those structures in place because there are days when I wake up and I'm, you know, not in the best of spirits or I'm not feeling super motivated or I'm feeling discouraged about my business. Um, and those structures or those routines give me the place to start when I'm not feeling so motivated. I know that on Mondays I'm going to be doing administrative stuff. So I just go to that list and start checking things off as best as I as best as I can. Um, but I think just taking time, I, I mean, I feel like a broken record because I keep saying routines, 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 but really I think it comes down to figuring out what your priorities are, writing those things down into some kind of schedule or routine um, that you can follow and then giving it a try for a few weeks, a month or two and figuring out what works and doesn't work, tweaking as you need um, to do that so that you can make the most of your time. Yeah. So get your routine down and then tweak it and change it and know that one system is not going to work just because the system worked for someone else. It's not necessarily going to work for you. You've got to tweak a system to fit 
your business and your needs. Um, but I also like that you said something about kind of checking in and checking out of your work time with your business the same way you would with your classroom of having your like, you know, beginning routines and ending routines. I think Amy Porterfield talks about this a little bit that she sort of like has three things she does when she's checking out of her business at the end of the day. It helps you put like a hard stop to either your school day or your business by doing, you know, maybe it's check your email and clear out your inbox or whatever and, you know, clear out your tabs. I'm not sure what she has on her list, but kind of like a hard stop. I like that idea a lot. Yeah. And I think one thing I'm learning right now a lot is I am consuming so much education about like how to run a better business that I'm trying to implement all these different things that all these different people are teaching me to where I like, I mean, I'm literally processing this right now. Like this week is what I'm, what I'm processing through. Like I have these workflows for writing a blog post that are like 30, 40, 50 steps long. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm like, wait, I was doing just fine. Um, You know, like my number one blog post was something I threw up like last minute um, that I didn't follow any kind of checklist or whatever. And I'm not saying don't have these checklists or these workflows, but uh, there also comes a time where you have to say like, okay, I'm trying too much to do what these other people are doing. And I just have to come back to what works for me and stop trying to put other people's, not that even people are putting expectations on me, but me hearing their processes is putting those expectations on me. Exactly. I was saying to the crew the other day, uh, teacher hustle, you crew that it's like, if I tried to tell you how to, to do your laundry and fold it, like I could tell you how I do my laundry and fold it, but you're not necessarily going to want to follow my system. You might want to find follow parts of it, but you have to do what works for you. So I, I do think that's important, especially when you're listening to a lot of different people. And of course, don't listen to too many people at once. I try to like pick a couple of mentors and stick with them for a little while, test out what works for you, tweak it, and then get your systems down, get them into a program like Asana or something where you have them laid out and then run them through, try them out and adjust if it doesn't work for you. All of that is great advice for school and our business. Um, can you tell the listeners where they can connect with you if they want to find out more about getting organized both in the classroom and in their business? Yeah. So I am everywhere at the Simply Organized Teacher. Um, that's my website, thesimplyorganizedteacher.com, Instagram, Facebook. Um, I'm not on Twitter, so <laughs> you probably won't find much there. <laughs> that's okay. We don't want to but... go to too many places. We'll, we'll see. Yeah. Easy ones. Great. Yeah. So just everywhere, the Simply Organized teacher and they can get information about, I've got tons of free, um, like I said, that course on getting organized for um, online teaching. I even have a little course that I put together on organizing for sub plans. So all that stuff you can find over on my website. Great. And we'll link to all of that in the show notes if anybody wants to grab it. Thank you so much, Kelly, for being on. And I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Yes. Thank you so much. Let's keep this organization party going. We are here with our last guest, Allie from Tech About Math is my go-to tech person when I'm thinking about setting up my virtual classroom. Allie is all about the technology. She's got all the tips and tricks. So I asked her to come on and talk to us specifically about getting organized in our virtual classrooms because I know that can be overwhelming for both us and our students. And it's just as important as getting organized in real life. So here's Allie to talk to us about that. Allie, thank you for being on the podcast. I know you well because you are a part of the THU crew. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I'm so excited to be here. 
My name is Alexandra, and I'm an upper elementary math teacher in New York City, doing on my going on my seventh year of teaching. I also started my blog, Turn Business, Talk About Math, last year to help elementary math teachers get organized digitally and engage students with digital tools. I am the go-to at any at my school for anything technology related. It's so funny how you get put into that role of the go-to tech person. As soon as you start using technology in a school, it's like all eyes are on you and you are going to help everyone out with tech. So thanks for being here to talk to us about tech today and our, setting up our virtual classrooms. Now, I talked to some of the other roundtable guests about how we were thrown into virtual learning in the spring. How can we go about this differently in the fall? I think so much is changing for the fall. I think regardless of how you're going back this year, technology is going to be more prevalent in classrooms. I think now that teachers were essentially forced into using technology, it will become an expectation since it's been done already. I also think that teachers who were scared of using tech before now realize how much of a useful tool it is and how it can be used to enhance the curriculums that they teach, which is really great. I think that teachers will see that students need direct instruction when it comes to tech, just like they did. Like the PDs that you sat through, someone was teaching you how to use the technology. So kids nowadays, yeah, they're more tech savvy, but what they're using is more user friendly. Like Instagram, it's pretty straightforward. You take a photo, think of a caption, find some hashtags, post the photo. And it's the same thing over and over again. Whereas Google Classroom, Canvas, Microsoft Teams, or any other type of technology that they're using for school is a little bit more in depth than that. So they need to be taught explicitly how to use it and what tools they need to use that will help them be successful in school. So I think that is going to be a huge shift in this um, this coming fall because I think that teachers need to realize that they need to teach the tools to students, not just expect them to know it. Even if they used it last year, there's still that summer slide. Like there is for reading and math, there's a summer slide for tech as well. That's an interesting point that being really explicit in the teaching of technology and using tools in technology as study tools, even understanding how to use the tools to help them learn better, all of that organization up front. It's almost like when we plan for the beginning of the school year in a physical setting, we're thinking about our behavior management plans. Now we're thinking about behavior management plans and front-loading some of those tech skills and some of that digital learning skill set that we need them to have going into remote learning or knowing that we may have to shift into remote learning. So part of the organization is just making sure that kids have those tools going into this so that we're not trying, we're not acting on the defense when we go into remote learning. If we shift or pivot into remote learning, that we're more on the offense and kids already have those tools going in. And we know how important that can be to set up in advance. I know teachers are using all different platforms, but you are specifically an expert in Google. So tell us your tips for organizing our Google Classrooms going into this school year, if that's the platform we're using. Honestly, organizing Google Classroom is a beast in itself. It really depends on the organization of the school and how you guys are configured. I am an elementary school teacher and I am departmentalized at my school, so I just teach math. And I've played with many different organizational methods prior to distance learning because I was using Google Classroom for two years before we had to use it for distance learning. And I've tried separating it by chapter, separating it by skill, and it just got to be very overwhelming. Um, 
I definitely think having the homeroom separated is your best bet regardless because even if you teach multiple classes, you can just reuse a post that you used from a previous class or assign multiple classes the same assignment, which is very easy for Google Classroom. I also personally like to break it down by subject. So like I said, if you do it by homeroom and you're departmentalized, you still need a topic for um, reading, math, writing, social studies, science, PE, all that stuff. So definitely break it down by um, subject. And a um, quick tip is if you have a topic, I, rec- I highly recommend having a topic for FAQs where you can record little mini tutorials and videos of yourself answering commonly asked questions that you know your students will have, or at least think about the questions that your students last year asked you and answer those in advance and throw them in an FAQ topic on Google Classroom. And you can actually pin it to the top. So this way students know where to go when they have a question. I love the idea of keeping an FAQ section at the top of any platform. That's brilliant. What are your recommendations for keeping our folders organized, whether it's Google Drive folders or really any folders? I know that I can sometimes make a mess out of mine before I even realize it. If you're like me, your Google Drive will become a mess at the end of the year. My advice is to create major buckets of things for your school year that you use regularly. I actually have a whole YouTube video on how I easily break down and organize my Google Drive and my desktop drive. I have six major folders for the school year. And then from there, I put things into more specific folders. So some of the folders that I have might be student-specific information. I'll have a... um, I'll have a decor folder where I have all my bulletin boards, my word walls, everything of that nature there. I have a folder for data. I have a folder for parent engagement. I have a folder for master copies. I have a folder for professional development. And then I have an extra resources uh, folder where I keep all my seasonal activities, things that I may or may not get to during the school year, but it's a good reference to have in case I'm looking for something a little bit extra. So those are the major buckets that I have. Um, that I kind of throw stuff into and then I spend a day organizing each individual bucket. So like I'll go through and I'll throw things into micro folders, I guess you can call them, and I will just kind of organize them in that way. But I won't do it all at once because that can be very overwhelming. So I'll like one day I'll sit and I'll say, oh, I have an extra 10 minutes. I'll go through the data folder and I'll organize that into other folders if I have to and so on and so forth. Okay, that seems so simple, but I love your idea about just having maybe like a handful of bucket folders with micro folders inside. I have way too many bucket folders. I need to cut down on those. And then I liked also the idea of organizing them little by little on the inside. So taking one bucket at a time and making sure it's organized. So great. So another thing that you've done recently is you recorded a masterclass for us over in the THU crew, and you were talking to us all about Airtable, which I mentioned earlier in this episode when I was talking about getting organized digitally, and it's great for planning. Um, It's also great for business planning. So can you talk to us about Airtable and how you use it for your business? Uh, Airtable. That is my favorite ultimate organization tool. A friend of mine from my old school taught me about it in passing. So I was like struggling with organizing my business and she kind of mentioned that she used it, but then she switched to Trello, but I was like, uh, I wasn't a fan of Trello. I wasn't a fan of Asana. So I was like, let me see what this Airtable is about. And oh my gosh, it unleashed a beast, unleashed a beast inside of me. I love Airtable. It is amazing. What I love about it the most is that I can put everything in one spot. 
So for my business, I have an Airtable base and I have it broken down into smaller. I have a, I'm sorry, I have an Airtable workspace and I have it broken down into each base and as each part of my business. So I have a finance tab. I have a content planning. I have a, I even have a base just for like miscellaneous thoughts and ideas, just so that I know I have somewhere to jot it all down in case I need like any extra inspiration. Just to clarify for those who aren't super familiar with Airtable, it's kind of like, I guess you would say it's kind of like Google Sheets or Excel spreadsheets. So when Allie says base, she's referring to, I guess it would equate to a sheet. So tell us why Airtable? I use Airtable now for everything. It's less overwhelming. It kind of combines all of the things that I was using into one. So like I used to have QuickBooks QuickBooks for my finances, and then a Google Sheet for my content content plan, then another sheet for my Instagram posts. Then I used Apple Notepad for my Instagram captions, and it was all over the place. What I love about Airtable is that I can take all of those things and put them into one spot, so I don't have to worry about like getting overwhelmed and where's this caption and what's going on for this week. It's all there already for me. I actually also started using it for my classroom. So I actually have a YouTube video on how to create a teacher planner using Airtable, and it is actually pretty amazing and I actually spoke to my I say actually a lot I spoke to my co-teacher this year and I showed him about it and he was like wow he's like we're definitely doing this so he's very excited to have Airtable for our like digital co-planning space so that we can both see what's expected of us and we can plan ahead with Airtable awesome thank you so much Allie for these simple digital organization tips that I think we can take really quickly and we can put them into action. And I know people will want to check out Airtable after this. Where can they connect with you so that they can get a hold of those YouTube videos and get started with getting organized digitally? You can find me on Instagram at Tech About Math. You can join my Facebook group. It's called Tech About Math, Remote Learning Support and Resources. Or you can visit me at techaboutmath.com and you can subscribe and see my latest tips and tricks with tech. I also have a YouTube channel, like I mentioned, um, that's a little bit more sporadic. My blog posts are very consistent, but I do have YouTube. It's Tech About Math, of course. Um, you can find me in any of those places, and I look forward to chatting with you. If you reach out on Instagram, any questions, I will gladly answer them. I also have a couple of courses on Thinkific. If you go to techaboutmath.thinkific.com, you can see everything that I have to offer to help you with all your technology needs. Awesome, Allie. Thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Alyssa. All right. I hope you enjoyed that roundtable podcast episode. That was a new way of doing things for me, but it was really cool to hear from three experts on the same topic, getting organized in our classrooms, getting organized in our businesses, and getting organized in the digital space. So hopefully you have all the tools you need to get yourself started this school year, to get some control over at least the systems in your life so that you can set your boundaries and still make time for the things that you need to make time for, like self-care. We've talked about all of this, you know, making time for being with your family, for taking care of yourself, for getting prepped for the next day, just feeling like we have some sense of control and organization is what will do that. So I want to make sure that I got some experts here to, to give you even some quick tips, maybe a thing or two that you hadn't thought of before to put into place this week. So let me know over on Instagram what you're trying out when it comes to getting organized and I will see you in next week's episode. If you are listening to this podcast, I know you are a creative educator who is wanting to start their business online 
Maybe you have started your business, but you can't gain any traction because as soon as you take one step forward, there are a million more things you're supposed to be doing like blogging or podcasting, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Maybe you've heard all the marketing podcasts, but there's so much conflicting information. You just want the roadmap to success. I know sometimes it feels like the big name marketing experts don't understand our lives as teachers. You might be worried you're going to spend all your time and money on creating your online business, or maybe you already have spent tons of time and money and no one is going to show up to buy the thing you have to offer. And you're worried about how you're going to stand out among the rest. If you don't want a degree in marketing, but you want to inspire other teachers and you want to stand out among the rest and create a voice and share your thoughts and ideas and bring in some money, but it all feels a little overwhelming. I have good news for you. You are exactly where you need to be. You have everything you need to share your passion and to make some serious cash in the process. I want to introduce my signature training for creative teachers like you, Teacher Hustle University, and you can get your hands on my step-by-step guide to designing an online business with a strategic purposeful marketing plan. The Teacher Hustle University framework is your chance to build that solid foundation in marketing for your online business, to make a difference in classrooms around the world, to generate a steady monthly income, and to put it all on autopilot so you can enjoy life's moments. I teach you all of the pieces of the framework for Teacher Hustle University inside my free masterclass, which you can find at alyssamcdonald.com slash masterclass. Thanks for listening to the Teacher Hustle podcast. I love hearing from you. So if you loved this episode, please consider leaving a review. You can also join our Facebook group, Teacher Hustle podcast, to chat about all things business, mindset, and marketing. I also love to chat in the Instagram DMs, so send me a DM or tag me in your post. My name is Teacher by Naptime over there. I'll see you in the next episode.